Ever wonder what separates cloud innovators? Find out. Download the Deloitte U.S. Future of Cloud Survey Report, closing the cloud strategy, technology, and innovation gap at Deloitte.com slash U.S. slash cloud survey. Deloitte. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, this is Old School. Brought to you by Sand Hills Global. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Look at Jake in there. <laughs> Look at Jake in there. Jake, Jake, Jake looked like he's serving time. Being a Dolphin fan is, is like, see, Jake, the only reason I am so passionate, feeling bad for you, that Buffalo was so bad before we made the playoffs a few years ago, and I know what it's like. But I was an alumni, and I know how you've been a lifelong Dolphin fan. And I, you, I'll tell you this. I was not a full Dolphins fan, but I, was, I think Dan Marino is – I used to think he was the best quarterback of all time. Now I've went to Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, but I was a Dolphin fan then too. But I feel for you. I feel your pain. Now we're back on to bigger and better business because the Dolphins are low-grade uh, bottom feeder fish. They're kind of like the carp, right? You only you got you got to you got to you got to fry the the carp eighty-five times before you eat it. That's what you, the type of Dolphins we are. Rico, hit it. Hit your hit Rico. Dion usually says hit 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 his theme music. Yep. Hit the show. Hit the show sponsor, Rico. <laughs> Welcome into old school. 937 the ticket. The ticketfm.com old school sponsored by Sand Hills Global. Hmm. Sand Hills Global has hundreds of job opportunities and internships. Their global headquarters is located right here in beautiful Lincoln, Nebraska. If you mm-hmm. head to sandhills.jobs today, you can apply for again over uh, over a hundred jobs and internships at Sand Hills Global. Uh, Sand Hills. Say it with your chest out today. Rico, Suave, Alvarez, DP, here, Husker Hall of Famer right, Jay Foreman. Here, here's the question for you, Rico. What? My roommate in college was was Tony Ortiz. And Sunday was it for whatever it is. And Sundays is when he that was his day to get up. And he every eight eight o'clock. So if we got home at six eight o'clock, the music was on and he was having a dance. So could can you merengue? A little bit. Okay. Just so it bit. took Tony Ortiz two two years to teach me how to do this somewhat <laughs> merengue, and it was still suspect. He's like, oh yeah, you could pass, but you you you, you can't be in the middle of the party. Yeah. If I take you back to New York. You, you have to you, be like, on, yeah. the, on the outskirts. Yeah. Of outskirts. The, Just you're not getting it. in the middle of the circle. Twenty seconds, and you're off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rico, let's set the tone. We need to pay tribute. So let's pay tribute today to the legend, the goat, if you will. And please. impress the authorities. We were in Cincinnati for a weekend series to play at Crosley Field. The letter intimated the deed would be done. On Sunday, Sunday morning when the team was in the bus going to the dressing room, it was pretty quiet. And in the dressing room, 
It was very quiet. This was the most serious pregame atmosphere probably in the game. Everyone was worried. And it was very quiet. And the Dodgers had a young left fielder by the name of Gene Hermansky. And Gene was colorful, bright, blonde, white, and full of you know what. And with this quiet atmosphere in the clubhouse, Gene suddenly said, I've got it. And everybody looked and they said, what? He said, we'll all wear number 42 and they'll never know which one is Jackie Robinson. <laughs> now that seemed funny at the day. In 1997, Jackie's number was retired. And in 2004, Gene Hermansky's words from 1950 came to fruition. We'll all wear number 42. So tonight, when the Dodgers in Arizona line up on the foul lines, they'll be wearing 42. And all across the country, in every major league ballpark, every player will be wearing 42. And what does the... It's, um, <clears throat> when you get a microphone, I've had a couple of chances to sit with Vince Scully and just shoot the breeze. And he always talked about it. He said, this is how this should be done. One, tell the truth. Two, be entertaining. And then three, don't take yourself so seriously. Always, That's always in the back of my head because he's the best storyteller, sports storyteller that ever was. Like in any realm, there's not anybody in football who is the great storyteller. Those days of Madden, Madden's gone. Pat Summerall, those folks. Uh, the folks who did uh, – well, NBC, Steve, Steve Sable, uh, right? You know, inside the NFL, that the show that they used to have on Saturdays and Sundays uh, are gone with Irv Cross and all those guys. When yep. Irv Cross was kind of like on the sidelines, you know, it was very obviously. And but you know, to be honest with you, even when those TV shows were on, and even when Madden was on, you know, doing games, you, you had to have a radio type of, um, you know pitch or personality because you weren't getting a lot of FaceTime. It was essentially you were doing radio. They would see you'd see Madden before the game, um, maybe like a mid timeout, you know, like a TV break, halftime, you know, going into halftime after halftime and show wrap up. Now you see guys, you know, before a play, a timeout, there's so much more to the production that you had to be able to deliver stories and have your own way to um, deliver those stories. Um, and if you, when you just listen to Vince Scully, you know, the way that he set the tone and then the way that he took his voice up and down the octave, octaves and stuff like that um, really, you know, let you know what type of storyteller it was. Then, you know, he created this kind of climax, you know, um, or peak. And then, you know, he brought it down to everybody's level, obviously as a, you know, you know, a little bit of a, you know, icebreaker of a joke. Then he brought it back to a serious note giving it back and then he also kind of did some teaching whereas like over it was i think it was was it 54 years or it took from the time in the locker room to where they implemented it in major league baseball mm -hmm. um so he, he he combined all those things it's a unique quality to be able to do it um when you have uh athletes or just people we just influence you know everybody you know say they grew up in la felt like they knew vince scully but just the people that are in different sports different genres giving giving uh respect to him let you know 
how big of a superstar he was in what he did, but what he's done for not only baseball, sports, sports casting, radio, TV. He's like the godfather that kind of opened a whole bunch of lanes and it allowed the Harry Carries to have his personality, the Euchre to have his personality, to go on and for Euchre to be in Major League Baseball, you know, the movie or mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And to be honest with you, I, obviously I've never met him, but every time that I've seen a, a, an interview with him or something that where they highlight him, um, as from the little that I've been able to see, or, you know, obviously after – you know, from the time I left college to now, when you meet people of iconic status, some of them you get let down by. You're actually <clears throat> left probably wanting more from him because he's almost like an all shucks. I'm not really that good. I love doing this. So this is just how I, this is just what I want to do. Um, and the humbleness of him, and especially, you know, being with the Dodgers organization for that long. Okay. You're an icon. Okay, you are a you, and in L.A. And no that, I was just about to say, and in L.A. and with the you know lock and step, you know, not directly with Jackie Robinson, but a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you got to think him doing those games, even though it was at that back end of Jackie Robinson, he's still setting the tone for what people are listening to and maybe how they're acting in their everyday life. We see it right now. We see it right now, either in Nebraska, like with football or just you know even the you know politics how you you know you can influence people when you have a microphone and um yeah so i mean look 94 years is a phenomenal life but you know it's crazy i was just talking to um i forgot who i was talking to about sid hartman in minnesota whereas he worked literally up until the day he died same thing with vince scully he was probably getting all geared up for the last little you know playoff run or thinking he was and unfortunately passed so it's uh you know, I think he's one of the ones that kind of got his so-called flowers as, you know, he was, you know, these, especially in these last few years. But he's a guy that I think as years go on and as I'm sure media changes, right, how games are broadcast and how they do stuff, he's going to be even a more of an icon of figure. And, and for the next person that comes and takes his spot for the Dodgers, and, and I'm just thinking about this right now, it's like, a, you know, like how they put like a hologram up in the sky, you know, out, you know, just above the stadium. Yep. You know that's where he's gonna he's yep. gonna maybe yeah, be he'll be there, like, yeah you just he'll put be him there on the just like everything that you're doing you're thinking about him but I think it's also something that uh, you embrace because if you strive to be Vince Scully and don't get there you're probably gonna end up having a pretty good career and uh, and he's a good and he seemed like he was a good dude too a uh, good man and I shouldn't call him a dude gotta show my respect uh, you know a great human and uh, a good man it, it, we went through. Um, a couple of the spaces that he was in. Again, this guy was, you know, Grand Marshal of the Rose Bowl Parade, called the World Series games, called football. Um, and then, you know, kind of carried the, the torch for being able to tell stories about, you know, Don Drysdale, uh, uh, Sandy Koufax, to go back to that space. Um, he, he, he told all the stories from Fernando, from, you know, from yeah. Koufax and uh, – Don Newcomb, the night uh, just it, it brings a tear to my eye to, to remember recall him telling the story about the night that they brought Don Newcomb back to Dodger Stadium for the first time, and he was in a wheelchair. And they turned off all the lights, and then everybody lit. They actually lit matches, so everybody in the stands lit matches. This is before camera phones and all that, but 
him describing the dance of the bugs of the of the fireflies at Dodger Stadium in Newcomb's honor, right? Yeah. Like to be able to pull that off, um, it's good stuff. We're gonna go to Mike on the Sardar Hammond Tech on the Honda Lincoln Hotline. Uh, Mike, how you doing this morning? Good. How are you guys? We're good. What's up? Hey, just with the uh, passing of Vince Scully, I had to just tell you a brief, brief story. What a class act he was. I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of famous people over the years, and two of the nicest were Lynn Swan. Um, he, he, my daughter. Uh, Love to get autographs. She's probably seven or eight. And I said, there's Lynn Swan. And she said, Suzette, I proceeded to tell her. And he was working a Husker game, and he was in a trailer outside there. And I said, well, hey, he's working. He tells you, no, I don't care if he's crabby. You just walk away. Well, he, she says, can I have your autograph, Mr. Swan? He says, you got papers? He says, no. You got a pen? He says, No. He goes in the trailer and gets a magic marker and signs her shirt. Pure class. The other one was Ben Scully. That guy was amazing. We were staying in the same hotel as the Dodgers. And he was there. And, uh, you know, I said, wow, there's Ben Scully. He says, who's that, Dad? I said, oh, in my mind, the best broadcaster baseball's ever had. He was talking to someone, so we stood to the side. And she walks up. And before she can even say anything to him, he comes up, and, and I can't do his voice, obviously. He sounded like he was he was doing a baseball game. He just waxed poetically when he talks and said, I could just sense your presence as I was talking to this gentleman. And he, he talked to us for 10 minutes, just just a pure class guy. And so I just want to acknowledge that because a lot of guys you think and hope would be good guys maybe aren't. Although, you know, it's really not fair to judge people on one incident. But Ben Scully was a class act. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Dead on. Um, that's so in Salt Lake, the AAA Bs. We would actually engage, and sometimes they would pull our uh, pull our personnel to help the Dodgers and the Angels. And you would get to go up in the booth, and you could just to get to watch. And one, the word majestic isn't great enough. Regal is probably closer to how it was because. He would shake the hands. You watch people come up on the elevator, and sometimes play-by-play guys are recluses and they don't really want to deal with it. But he would shake hands and he would engage and he would call by name. And when you're that big and you still call by name and you still acknowledge on a base level. Um, But what I wanted to take from him was that he cared enough to get it right. And he told a story uh, once that he's doing a ball game, and I'll try to do it justice. He says he's doing a ball game, and they asked him, you know, how, how many times have you screwed up? And he goes, oh, I screw up all the time. He goes, he goes one time it was, it was Cardinals game, and I was trying to say um, hard shot, hit foul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hard that shot, sounds... hit foul. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. And he said he wasn't close. <laughs> and he said he was so embarrassed he's like okay that's gonna be my last day on radio like that's it like i've 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 done it i've crossed the line but nobody said anything to him and they they moved along with it but he was just he was he was humble He, he he loved what he did he loved who he did it with um and the good stuff all around so um there's that um there's lots to talk about today i do want to we were kind of joking yesterday about players who get traded yeah right players who get traded so 
the <laughs> the the Boston Red Sox traded a player to the Houston Astros and how he found out about it was he was doing a preseason a pregame interview yep jay they walked up and told him in his ear i did pulled, too. no yeah. they pulled him off the interview yeah. on the, live tv well the reporters told him before they pulled him so that he's doing the thing <laughs> and one of the reporters goes hey did you know you just got traded to the astros and they're in houston because he's out there for bp and he goes uh um no. <laughs> i guess and he's yeah. like well how do you feel he goes I guess it's a business. And then it took a little bit, and then finally a Red Sox official came and pulled him out of the interview. <laughs> but they had already – somebody had broken the news to him while Stay he was right there. Stay classy, Red Sox. Stay, he had, he'd been with the Red Sox cla- since 2008. Stay classy, Red Sox. This dude had been there for 14 years, and you – And you didn't have no inclination bruh, that you morning. you him nothing. I think that's what – you know, people don't understand. <laughs> there's, there, there's sometimes when you're emotionally – invested in the team in the city right because mm-hmm. say like if you came up and you know through the you know say you you know you're just you got drafted you did well say you you know the team supported you when you got hurt and you end up doing well and so you might you know sometimes you see athletes react in a i guess anger or whatever because of that that which is understood everybody has emotions right then ideally you'd like to think calmer heads come to fruition but really what makes guys mad when you get traded especially if you're somebody that's been at a place for eight years is just the common thing called respect it's our you know regardless if you get traded yeah you could think yes somebody wants me but the end of the end of the day there it's a misconception that you got cut and the reason why um well one i've been through it and i guess you know i think they you know, in Buffalo, I think it's one of the things that made me mad because I'd asked him like several times. And, you know, man, I know and trades can happen literally in a matter of minutes. So uh, I'll give him that. But I, I'd like to think for them to be trading a guy that's been there for eight years. I'm sure the conversation has been had since before the, the before BP. Yeah. But I remember being in Houston and it was the first year. So I'm in year five. And um, and this is when when your expansion team, I think you're able to don't, of course, not. All the Twitter people out here, I don't need you to quote me on it, but I think we were able to bring more players to camp. You know, wasn't a lot, but we still. But then, you know, we were always picking guys up, cutting them, and we had practices that were always on the radar. The NFLPA, they were doing. It's, I think it's part of the reason why the wedge has been taken out because we had guys. We were doing like live wedge drills, and we had. So many guys on injured reserve, we set like a record. You know, of course, 82 sacks as well. But I remember as they were making cuts, um, the NFL sometimes, and this is a team would do this, and so if they know that they're going to cut, whether it's the first or second cut, you know, say go down from 70 to 53, there's 17 guys that, you know, you can either have them practice or cut them, and then you just practice with the guys that, you know, have made the roster. Well, that's just part of the business, and this is the second part of the story. But the first part was Charlie Castley and those guys, which is, which was Bush League. So us as captains and leadership on the team had to go to them where they were. Um, so say like the the cut was, you know, it had to be by 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So in training camp, a lot of times both of your practice is over, then you're in maybe a team meeting or if you have an impromptu team meeting. They were having the Grim Reaper come pick guys out of the team meeting 
Now, granted, I was in my going in my fifth year, but we had guys like Aaron Glenn, um, who's the defensive coordinator for Detroit Lions, well respected, you know, uh, thirteen fourteen end up player or thirteen fourteen year player. Seth Payne uh, played well over ten. We had guys that were you know a little bit longer, and and even you know Tony Baselli even said something like, and I was a younger guy on the leadership uh, you know council, and literally it, it was a heated conversation in from players to management to how you handle it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel even though the whether it's owners or AD, you know the uh, GMs or whatever, sometimes I think they lose that part of there's a way that you can handle business and keep it a business, but there is a le- level of respect that you could do. Don't embarrass anybody like that. They they you, they're you not know. thoughtful about it because they're so locked into them them just that, being that, the that's boss. A, that used to be an excuse. Right. That's right. not an excuse anymore. No, it, it wasn't an excuse then. It was well, terrible. Yeah, like, because well, here's why because if I if me if you're a GM at Boston and I'm Astros, if I want to make a deal with DP, I don't even have to call him. Right. I could text him. Right. Yeah. Right. That's this why. day and age, it's a little different. Right. We'll, we'll we'll go to break. There's, again, we appreciate you guys adding to Dan from uh, Canopy Street Market reminds us that he called that Vince Scully called the catch. He called the catch, San Francisco and uh-huh. Dallas. He he, uh, he also called Hank Aaron seven fifteen. He called uh, several perfect games. Again, there's a lot of tribute to, to 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 be paid to the man. We'll do that today as well. But up next, Rico will tell us what's up on ninety three seven the ticket. You're listening to Old School with DP and J. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Guys, do you want thicker, fuller hair? Do you desire lustrous, luscious locks that you can run your fingers through? Maybe a full head of hair makes you feel attractive. Perhaps a full head of hair boosts your confidence and self-esteem. Whatever your reasons, if you have started to experience hair loss, there is good news. Because there are effective, FDA-approved treatments that work. One is a prescription clinically proven to prevent further loss. The other is clinically proven to regrow your hair in two to four months. And both are available from Roman for just a dollar a day. Just complete a free online visit. Roman connects you to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional who will work with you to find the best treatment plan. Then Roman sends everything you need right to your door with free shipping and indiscreet packaging. So guys, are you Roman ready for a thicker, fuller head of hair? Go to ro.co slash fuller. Do it today and Roman will give you 20% off your first order. That's ro.co slash fuller.